Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest is Lucretia Terrence. She came to me as a recommendation on Twitter, and I went to her uh, website of her company. Yo, it's dope. And I saw the work uh, that, they're, that they're doing. I saw the, 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 the outline, the workshops, the curriculum, all of those things. And I wanted to have her on so she could drop her gems and share her knowledge and experience on how you, as an educator who's looking to monetize your talents, create that side hustle, I uh, can get that leg up. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Lucretia? Hi, um, good morning, and thank you, Will, for having me uh, on this awesome show. You're talking about great people. You're one of them. Um, I am Lucretia Terrence, and I am the CEO of the Edu Project, um, and I am an educator of 20 years. Having served in uh, probably every role there is in education, which is good because I've had a lot of experience. Started off as an elementary teacher, um, moving up to dean and, and school level uh, administration, then moving up to district administration, and then um, wait, moving back to being a principal, which was pretty interesting how I end up being a principal of a high school. But Eventually, I, I, I drafted off or drifted off and started my own company, which is the Edgy Project, um, based off of the things that I experienced in those various roles. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And how did you find yourself in the classroom? Growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. Could nobody tell me anything different? My dad was an attorney and I wanted to be an attorney. I knew I loved children, so I narrowed it down to juvenile, um, to a juvenile attorney. I just, my heart, my love for children just kept pushing at me and my spirit just kept coming at me about how can I address the needs of students. So while in college, I, I majored in criminal law um, on my way to being a lawyer. Uh, working at a foster home, I just, I was just, I wonder if I could use the word convicted, but I felt so passionate about how can I reach them deeper than just being an attorney. I'm meeting them after the fact, and how can I help them in that role? Um, so I, I changed my major, and I, and I changed it to elementary education. My thought was, if I can reach them at an impressionable age, if I can reach them before they get in the system, then of course, I can do some great work. I can do great work. And so that's what made the, the change from juvenile um, attorney to education. Mm. So as you mentioned earlier, you've been a classroom teacher and have held several roles, including school principal. How did you get started in entrepreneurship? Wanting better for, for our students so many uh, systematic things. Uh, I, I'm gonna say this, teachers all over all want to start their own school. I have learned that in this journey. Every time I talk to a teacher, they're like, 
I want to start my own school. Um, I was one of those teachers too, seeing things that were not um, um, equal, seeing things that were not for all students as always declared, um, looking at the gaps, looking how systems are run um, in a two th in a 2020, in 2020, we're still running systems that we were running in 1960, 1940, 1950. And so um, my push was, uh, I wanted more. I wanted more for our kids. I wanted more for all kids and offering them resources and opportunities that they wouldn't normally be afforded. And so that was my push to come out the classroom. I, I knew I can reach and impact the kids within my area that I directly seen, saw every day. But I wanted to do this on a, on a bigger, bigger scale. Mm. And it's interesting that you say that because the reality is most schools and most school districts are not going to reach all children. I'm sorry, people. That's just the reality because you cannot create a one size fits all model and reach all children. There is a reason, even when you look at adults, when you choose a university, you are choosing a university for a certain specific reason and you are choosing a major for a specific reason as well. Uh, and so when you look at schools and what I would love to see quite honestly is schools, whether it's elementary or high school level that they sort of have several different academies within that one building where you can have, you know, quote unquote traditional, you can have a project based learning yeah. spot. You can have, uh, technology-driven school to where kids can ultimately sort of choose the path that works better for them. That is that they are sort of driven themselves to go, wow, I want to be here. Because after all, kids don't have a choice. You know, by law, they got to go to school. Yes. Uh, so when you create that school that kids are themselves excited to go every day because they are pursuing not only a path that they want to go to, but a way in which they learn best or excited about learning. I think that's the true goal that schools need to tackle. And I don't yeah. think many of them are thinking at that level. Yes. You had me excited. I'm sorry, because that's my, that's my, my preacher uh, in me. Like I've been saying this for so long um, that that's another reason Well, I mean, I, if you read my website, personalized learning, uh, student-led student learning. Um, they're saying equal in all. Um, like I tell my kids all the time, favor is not fair. There is a portion for each person. So there is a portion of how you learn. And I can't make somebody else the way they learn and put that on another student. So um, you're, you're speaking my language. And, and as a matter of fact, my school <laughs> that I planned over 10 years ago um, it's funny that it was going to have academies and the school that I'm planning now is going to have academies that's going to take kids on a um, different pathways. So, yes, I'm just too excited about that. <laughs> we'll see if, if, you know, what will happen uh, post uh, COVID to see if schools will start to look at what they're doing and the design of it and whether or not what they're doing makes sense. But I know they're, I know they're scared because, you know, with, with, with state testing and a lot of schools have that uh, funding tied to those test scores or even your existence. I mean, a, a state can just come in and shut your school down. Mm 
if your scores are, are not where they deem okay. to be to be uh, where they need necessary or or at a certain level. So I can understand people getting you know afraid to be different and right. to and, and, and but they will not create the type of students they need to until they are different. Because one thing I'm gonna, last thing I'm gonna say about this is, and I will tell any school district, if your test scores say X, Y, and Z, and you pat yourself on the back, you're excited about it, but kids show up in August and they don't know anything, then they didn't learn anything. Three months is not, well, two and a half months, whatever. That is not enough time for kids to forget a whole year's worth of knowledge if they got it. They, you know, the certain things they might need to brush up on, but if t teachers are literally starting from scratch the first couple of weeks of school, your test scores don't mean anything. They just learned something to pass the test. They didn't really learn the knowledge that they were supposed to. Yes, they didn't get the experiences that they need. Mm -hmm. which matters it, for sure for sure because each of us you know thinking back as an adult with as many degrees that i have i can there are a lot of stuff that i do not know from classes that i've taken i can look at a transcript and go i took that class just forgot all about it because i didn't really learn anything it didn't stick to me yeah yeah love it so I, I want to talk about the, the mindset that it takes to go from educator to entrepreneur. I don't think most educators look at their talents and look at what they're doing every day, you know, with the curriculum, with uh, differentiating instruction, uh, with, you know, classroom management, with whatever they're doing, lesson planning, dealing with parents, administrators, they don't look at those experiences and tie that into a path to entrepreneurship or how that may lead to another career. What was the conversation you had with yourself when you were starting to think about starting a business? Uh, do Did you have any reservation about actually monetizing your your talents your years of experience i did not um just just a, a brief history uh i when i started teaching i was a southern girl coming from louisiana moving to dallas texas and i ended up with students um 90 of my students were hispanic and here you here you have this you know southern girl coming in and the culture just that culture difference um mattered in my first year of teaching, uh, the kids thought I used to say, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And this is, I'm gonna show you my, my ignorance just for a moment, I grew. <laughs> um, I used to say, don't call me ma'am, don't do that. Don't do that, not knowing that's a sign of respect. Um, but taking that and having most of, I'm gonna say 50% of my kids were um, non-English speaking um, students. And I'm thinking, how am I gonna do this? So I had to create my own pathway, my own way of teaching in order to reach my students. I knew I did not want to fail. I did not want my students to fail. So you should have seen me. I did everything possible to create hands-on experiences for my students so they would not forget the content 
that was being taught. So of course, I'm a national faculty member for PBL work, so I do project-based learning. I thought I created PBL. I thought I was the one that, that, uh, that created that curriculum until I, I met other folks out there that, would, that was doing it. Um, I'm saying that to say, I see that still happening, and that, that was in 99. I still see, even as a principal, teachers creating things to reach students. As time moves, kids change, right? Mm. And so um, I felt a need to um, push myself outside the box because I was seeing things still happening that districts and school systems on a nation level, nation, national level, on a state level, they should incorporate those things so that we can meet the needs of students. And so I thought if I create these curriculums for students, I mean, for teachers, then I can make their job easier and they won't be as stressed of trying to find these hands-on learning experiences. So I started creating um, culturally responsive activities and lessons. And then I started creating, and this was before it was a buzzword. Um, and then I started doing all these hands-on experiences. And then I started creating um, opportunities where students, where teachers can really build the culture in their classroom to get to know who their students were. Now I was doing it for free anyway, already, but I was doing it on a local level and, and I was doing it at a very local level because I was only doing it in my school with pushback. I'm just going to say that because when things are different and you have these innovative ideas and it's not the norm, mm -hmm. educators look at you differently. And, and sometimes it's the, it's the leaders and they're like, don't change it. Don't make it look different. Make it look the same. But my kids are not learning in that capacity. And so it pushed me. Me wanting to see kids excel pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I, and I wanted more for them. So I started creating it. And I, at first, I did it for free. And I would have companies call me and say, hey, can you jump on this project with us and write it? And I'm like, I'm writing this project for all these folks. And it's still not being done the way it's supposed to be done because I just write it. I'm not the trainer and I'm not the sole owner. So I wanted to control um, what was happening to the curriculum. But not only that, give it to folks and share it with folks who truly wanted to use it. Mm. So, so you created this business, the Edu Project. And in going to your website, I was just really excited about the work that you're doing. So what was the story behind creating the company? And what I mean, you know, asking that is, you know, when you sat down and you said, this is what I'm going to do, I am going to start a business. And you sat down and you thought about, I love to do this in the classroom. How did you sort of see that idea through in terms of making what you had in mind a reality? It started off with a school. I wanted to do, like I told you before, I wanted to start that school um, and the school plans did not, um, it did not work at the time, but I didn't want to give up. Uh, so I started the Edu Project and how I became the Edu Project is based on doing projects. I started reaching out to parents first and that's, that's one of my, um, it's a component of the Edu Project is, is home learning. And so I, I pulled at the at the time I had pulled my own um, kids out of the public school, which I I was dead set against. Like I was one of those people that that uh, was like, "Don't pull your kids out of school. Public school is the one." And it is. 
if it's done right. You know, I say schooling done right. And then my idea was I wanted to redesign school, repurpose school. Um, and so I started off with my own children. I did that with my own kids. And seeing them blossom through projects, through experiences, going out, learning the world, learning about themselves, the Edgy Project was birthed. I was like, yeah, this, this, this works. My five-year-old, uh, we went to um, Earth Day. And mm -hmm. for their project, I had them to present how can our family um, uh, do better by, by the earth or what can we do to contribute to the earth to make it a better place and my five-year-old was like uh, I learned about renewable energy resources when I was at Earth Day and I was like you did what and she's like yes and that's going to be my project because we cannot continue to burn it you know and I was like wow that happened and so just seeing and this was a child I wrote a blog about it and it's on my it's on my website because it's something that's really dear to me. This is a child who was dyslexic and she was told by a particular teacher that she could not learn. Mm -hmm. And what the teacher explained to me, she just meant that she learned differently. And my response was, don't we all? None of us learn the same. And so um, she didn't believe in school. She hated school. She didn't believe in learning. It took a lot to change that mindset that was put up on her to let her know that you can learn, let's figure out how you can do that. And so just to hear her say that, just us working through projects, um, it, it, it literally changed my life and, and the Edgy Project was birthed out of that. Mm. So how do you work with, with schools? I, uh, one, I travel, um, most of my business right now, I try to do as much advertising as I can. Um, but sometimes when you're a small company, you're not the big publishing companies or you're not the big training companies, you know, you get overlooked a lot. Um, so I, I try to do the best I can at advertising. Um, when I go out, I travel nationally and my services, when I get there, we do a great job. And most of my services right now come from, I heard about you or mm. somebody directed me towards the edgy project. Um, and so can you guys write curriculum? We just finished writing uh, a STEM and PBL curriculum for a new school, new charter school that's getting ready to open up in Dallas. And so she called and she was like, someone told me to call you. I know you can give us exact, so it's personalized curriculum and I'm giving them everything that they asked for within the curriculum. So um, right now, that's how I've been getting, getting things out. But of course, if anybody would like to reach out to me, um, they can reach us on our website, which is the uh, www.theeduproject.org. Um, there's a telephone number there as, as well. They can reach out to us and, any, uh, and they'll get a, either a recording or someone to uh, talk to. But of course, we'll get back with them depending on their needs. Um, and also, there's a survey on the eduproject.org uh, website where they can do an interest survey to reach us. So um, I've tried to put up as many platforms as I could to kind of get the word out of what we're doing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna keep pushing <laughs> until we become that global national company that everybody knows. I hear you, I hear you. So when a school district brings you in, what does your workshops uh, look like? 
So it depends on the need, of course. If it's, uh, we, you know, we do redesign schools. So we come in and we do a uh, two-day uh, walkthrough through all the schools throughout the district. And we look for things that, um, their, their weaknesses based off of data. Um, of course, we get all the data first. And so if it's, we're not excelling in the culture, we're not excelling in math, we're not, it just depends on what their needs are. But we go and look at those areas and look for the gaps. Um, we give recommendations for those gaps and we recommend a training. So that training can be anywhere from a one day to a three day uh, extensive training, um, eight hours where teachers go through strategies. They just learn best practices um, and they go through learning our model um, of, uh, of, of how, you know, just a process, a model process of how to basically engage students. Um, Basically, what the Edu Project is is best practices that any teacher should be doing, but it's modeled and it's, it's packaged within a model. Mm. So when you you knew, like in your heart, like you feel it in your heart that project-based learning is what every student needs, but when you were creating your business and you were looking at the marketplace. How did you look at what was going on with other educational consultants and uh, other companies to figure out if what you wanted to do was needed in the marketplace? I looked at other websites that were similar to what I wanted to create. Um, it was, it can be intimidating as well. When you, when you reach in, um, out to companies that are doing great. And this is, this is just my model of how I do things. Um, I'm going to go look at who's doing it the best. Right. And so if I wanted to know who's doing it the best, I mean, if I want to do create something great, I need to look at those who are doing the best at it so I can excel past them. <laughs> um, but I looked at those companies. I, I did a lot of research around what's needed. Um, when, as a teacher and a principal, I, I participated in RAND study. I don't know if you're familiar with RAND study, which is does a lot of educational research. Um, I was able to use that data to figure out what current student student needs are, um, and just understanding that I do a lot of research. I took it's this is our fifth year. Mm. I took two years of just research. That very first two years, I looked at things like ACD, ASCD, um, looking at those journals, looking at a lot of articles, um, researching all the links that they had attached to those articles and journals. When I tell you, in that um, study, we did, we just went really deep with it. But not only that, during that time, um, I happened to be just uh, um, starting with another company. And I was traveling nationwide all over doing, doing uh, trainings well, with PBL Works. And I was noticing so many things that was not um, I'm like, okay, how come this school over here has this great campus where students can have school three days a week and, and two days off or two days to go into the industry. And then I go over here on this other side of, uh, of, the, of the state of the state or either on the other side of the country and they're badly making it. They don't know what to give their kids. They don't know what I'm talking about when I say culturally responsive teaching. They don't know what I'm talking about when I say restorative practices. And so I'm like, 
I was like, let me let me dig and find out why we have so many imbalances. And I did figure it out. I, I understand it really. I don't know. If that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. But I just really took it to heart. And I literally just sat upon this this information that I that I received. And I, I started strategizing what services am I going to, um, you know, give and how am I going to play a role into making sure that uh, students are afforded this opportunity everywhere. So a lot of us in the game are really solopreneurs. You know, we, as I've heard Dr. Robin Jackson say, uh, you really own a job right you 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 have this side hustle that you're out there and you don't have a business in terms of you being able to step back and things kind of still keep moving but you on the other hand you have a team i was like oh okay all right this is not a one person engine you have uh how did you figure out how to grow and scale your business in terms of putting together a team and not going at it alone. I want to say first, I have an awesome team and I'm getting ready to add two more people on. Um, and it is so exciting. I am grateful that uh, we're not getting paid right now in, in the aspect of what we, what we are worth. Um, of course, you know how that goes when you, when you first started business, I, I first started off paying those ladies, and gents um, out of my own pocket, like, oh, like I gotta work, I gotta work, since I gotta pay them, I gotta pay them. And so um, how do I get that team? How did I get that team? I started reaching out to people that was doing the work already and who had a similar vision. Um, what really was impactful is that I didn't have to train people up. I only had to train them in the, in the logistics of the company. And so I pulled in people that was already writing curriculum. I pulled in people that was already doing training. I pulled like-minded principals in, like-minded educators. One of the ladies, she's, she's on a collegiate uh, level, and she trained teachers um, in that's, that new educators. So she go in and she do the observation, and I was like, oh, well, she knows what to look for. So let me pull her in so that when she go in and we go look at these campuses, she, she's at the college level, and she knows what's being taught at the college level, so she knows what to look for automatically. So pulling in people who were already engaged in the work was really, really helpful. And we're getting, as a matter of fact, we're getting ready to grow our curriculum department because we're getting ready to um, uh, write. As a matter of fact, we've already started and we're going to release our first curriculum module, um, creating um, history. We want to do some history modules. And that's going to be ready in the last week of July. But when I pulled those folks in, I pulled in teachers and curriculum personnel that was already writing curriculum in history. And so that makes it a little bit easier. Um, and, I, and, and they're just kind of banking on my, uh, my push and my promise that one day um, we're going to be big enough and, and wide enough uh, and, you know, just so that they can get the, the do that they need in their finances. But that's what we are. And that's how I pulled in that team people who believed in me. So how has COVID-19, you know, impacted the work that you do? I have seen just, you know, being online and, and there are people out there who are major 
like they get paid forty thousand dollars a a speech, sixty thousand dollars a speech, and they're sitting at the house uh, because things are being shut down, so they're not on the road at all. Uh, how has that impacted the work you are doing, and how have you looked at the online learning space as a way to pivot what you are able to offer? So I'm a tech person. Um, and like I said before, I was homeschooling my own children. So switching over to the online platform was pretty easy for me. However, it, it, when you said those people that make that $40,000 sit at home, so am I. <laughs> and so uh, the impact has been um, with the uncertainty of school districts, not knowing um, when they can have us back and not, not knowing what direction they want to take themselves. So, um, of course, uh, financially it has impacted us, but within this time and within this season, we launched Home Ed Connect and Home Ed Connect is a Facebook platform that we, um, have. We just finished season one. We started in March when I got seven ladies, seven educators from around the world together and we quickly jumped on this. Um, I did not want our kids to not have what they needed um, and I didn't want parents to feel unsupported. And when I tell you mm. parents, parents are a big part of what I do. Um, so I started Home Ed Connect and I asked all these edu educators to come in and let's do a Wednesday night live every Wednesday. Ask parents what they need um, and we're going to give them what they need. You know, so we created resources. We did a resource bank. Um, we invited guests in. We invited a STEM guest, uh, um, people to talk about SPED, special education. Um, how can I do special education at home? What strategies can I do? We talked about mental health. Um, what state are your, are your kids in right now? Um, parents, what state are you in? Uh, we had teachers that to write, uh, as we're on live, we, we, we encourage teachers, come on. Um, you see parents asking questions, you talk about what you do and what you're doing to reach your parents. I just didn't wanna leave parents and students out there alone. And they had so many educators around the world doing great things already. But I knew I just wanted to be a contributor of that. I just, I couldn't just say, okay, well, parents at home complaining. No, I, I had to give some, I'm a solution person. And that, that's, that's the reason why you see the Edu Project alive and well this day, is I wanted to give solutions to the problems and to the gaps that we were facing in education. And so I use Facebook because I know all of my parents have Facebook. I couldn't tell them to jump on Zoom because they're going to, Zoom wasn't working for them at that time. As a matter of fact, our district went on Zoom and I had a class that was assigned to me because I stepped up and then volunteered and did some things. I had five students a day. I know my culture. I know where my kids are from. I know they all have Facebook. So I did games, I did strategies, I did everything I could possibly. And we went live with it every Wednesday and every Monday we uh, released uh, um, resources for them. So COVID, it has its moments of how it impacted us, but I just wanted to share that positive because I'm going to continue with the Home Ed Connect and I'm going to pull it in under um, the Edge Project. And we're going to continue that. We're going to do season two and that's going to be a free tool that we offer to parents. And um, hopefully I get some sponsors and some people to, to kind of help push that along. Um, but 
um, yeah, it, it, it impacted me where I'm not traveling, but I have uh, transitioned over. I went back to work three weeks ago and I am completely online. I wish you could see my setup. Of course, you see I have my ring and I have two computer screens. And so uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the way. Um, I know that we are in a digital age. That's one of the reasons that I was pushed into what I do, uh, including that technology piece. Our students are tech savvy. We weren't when we were younger. We didn't have all that, but our kids are. And so I'm adapting. And uh, I, as a matter of fact, I went and got a, I just finished um, a course and I'm, I'm certified now in artificial intelligence. Wow. So I'm pushing and I've, I've been a STEM director and I know what's required for the future. So I'm ready. That's all right. That's all right. So before we go, what is the best piece of advice? that you've received from another entrepreneur? And what is your advice to those educators who may hear this episode and they hear your story and they're interested in getting out there? I am such a big culture person, especially when I was principal. So I, I left principal position, went directly to launching my own, own um, company. That was scary. And I did not want to leave my, my students. My students did not want me to leave. As a matter of fact, I get videos that Miss Terrence left us. So it was hard. I, I had to deal with some things. I had um, a supervisor tell me, um, you have impacted this school in such a way that the world needs to know. And I thought that was selfish of me. I was like, what? That's selfish. I said, it's not about me. She says, you're right. It's not about you. It's about the kids. It's about the students. And other students need to experience what you did. Um, I actually was a, uh, assigned to a school that was failing. Um, in one year, we, we achieved 90% and above on every EOC in all areas. Um, hard work, lots of dedication. But I, I've been working on this PLC strategy thing with teachers. I, I figured if you impact teachers, you can impact students. You let students know that you love them, you can reach them and they will do anything for you. And that's exactly what I did as a high school principal. My kids, were they would do anything for me. And so when she told me, you can, you can do this at a bigger level. Let other, uh, let other students benefit from what your, your knowledge that you have been given. And so when I looked at it that way, um, I, I just began to walk in that path that, that was given to me. It, it took lots of passion to know your, per, you know, and, and walking in your per, per purpose, I'm sorry, in your purpose and lots of commitment. It is not easy. I, I, I this is my, um, this is what I would tell anybody that's new to this. Um, make a plan and implement it. Make a plan, execute. It is easy to make a plan and not do it. I want, you have step out, you know, step out of your comfort zone. Um, don't li listen to the naysayers. 10 years ago, I had an idea to write curriculum for parents. Um, I had an idea to connect that to technology. Look where we are today. That was 10 years ago. And I did not do it because someone told me, no way, this is too much for parents. It's too difficult. And 10 years later, I'll do home ed connect. So I don't want that to be nobody else's story. Um, stay committed to the work. Know that there is a lot to be done. 
I don't care how many companies out there, there's only a couple that's doing it right. And I'm not the only one. There are a lot of great companies out there, but make yourself one of them. That's what I'm striving for and that's what I'm pushing for. But it does not happen without a plan and without me executing the plan. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. No problem. I, I'm grateful and I am so thankful. Thank you so much. Uh, you are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This episode will be going up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe, follow, and share. And though I do appreciate the stars, people, can a brother get a recommendation? Can a brother get a comment or something? Because I'm trying to be found, and I'm also trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Lucretia Terrence, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace.